Um, hey, we're in this series called Fit Club, and we're looking at major areas of our lives, uh, lives that honestly may have been neglected or may feel out of shape, may feel like uh, they don't, uh, they're not very productive or we don't get much out of them. And so we're paying close attention to some, some major areas in our lives as we start this year. And today we're talking about our careers, our work, our workplace. Uh, and uh, I want you to think as we start back today, back to like your first job. Back to when work was a privilege. Back to uh, like maybe you were a teenager, maybe it was a summer job and you were still in high school, maybe some of you was younger than that, maybe some of you, uh, you were in, in college years. Uh, I, I can remember my first, what I consider my first substantial job would be working for my grandfather in the summer, uh, cutting grass. He had a lawn maintenance business and he'd pay me a hundred bucks for a week. I was grossly overpaid, uh, but I felt like I was on top of the world. Uh, and I want you just to think to that time in your life where you had your first job and then you got your first paycheck. And think about that feeling that you had, just the joy that just caused you to think, man, a hundred bucks, you know, I can go out and just buy anything I want because you had never experienced the fruit of your labor before. Uh, I was actually trained earlier in life uh, to be a worker though. Uh, my parents, uh, they gave me and my brother uh, they gave us money for doing chores, and so we had an allowance each week, and they taught us early the importance of work. Uh, in fact, if we didn't work, we didn't get an allowance that week, and so we understood from an early age the importance of work and what it meant for us to be provided for, and so I thought it was a great way for my parents to instill that in us. Uh, but over the course of a lifetime, have you, have you just noticed how work goes from being this privilege that creates the joy of getting a first paycheck to being such a grind that causes you to dread Monday mornings? I don't know about you, but statistically speaking, statistically speaking, 80% of working people are frustrated or they're dissatisfied with their jobs with their job situation, with the place that they work, with the people they work with, with the boss that they work under. Dissatisfied, unhappy, don't receive joy. They dread going to work. 80% of people, they're frustrated at work. And here's the dangerous part of that statistic is that 50 to 60% of our waking hours are spent at work. So we're going to spend half of the time that we're awake in our lifetime at a job that 80% of us are going to hate. We're going to be frustrated by. We're going to dread going in and we're going to spend the majority of our time feeling frustrated and unsatisfied half of the time. What a terrible, terrible statistic that is. In fact, it leads to people searching for new jobs and better jobs, thinking that things will be different this next go around. Between the age of 18 and 36, on average, the American will have 9.3 different jobs. Uh, some of us, that, that point three is probably the best job we've ever had. But 9.3 jobs between the age of 18 to 36. Most Americans today, on some level, are underemployed, meaning they have education or qualifications or talents 
that should land them a job making more money in a higher position than they're in, but because of the economy or just different circumstances or situations, they're, they're forced to work a job beneath their level of education or talent or expertise, and because of that, they don't make as much money as they think they should, and they work for people they don't think they should. And there's just this cycle of, of frustration. And most of us would agree that the weekends are the best part of our week, those of us especially who don't work on weekends, because we feel as though we get a break, or there's some relief, or there's... There's, there's a break in the frustration that we can just get a pause for a couple of days, even if it's just on a Sunday, that, that we don't have to experience the frustration of going to a job, of feeling like we're forced to do something that we don't want to do, that we get no joy out of. So very few people today have a dream job. Very few people have a job that they from childhood dreamed that they would have. In fact, if you ask most people, even in this room, what did you dream of being when you were a child? And then you compare that to the current job that they have now, there would be a difference. And for most of us, it would be a drastic difference. I never dreamed that I would be a preacher when I was a child. I wanted to be an engineer. And I find myself very far from being an engineer. And most of us have a similar story. And this is a dangerous thing because the thing that we tell children, the things that we tell kids and teenagers and even college students is that you just set your mind to being anything you want to be and you can go out there and make anything happen in this world. And then they graduate from college not really thinking through their skill sets, not really thinking through the, the course of a lifetime, what they want to do with half of their waking hours that would provide some sort of fulfillment in their life, some sense of purpose in their life, the identity that they dream of. And so they get a degree from a college that they may have never should have gone to, and the degree doesn't really have anything to do with a profession that they're even interested in. And then they're faced with this reality that they can no longer sleep in, and they can no longer skip classes, And they can no longer find the easy way to get a grade, but they are now faced with the responsibility of getting a job, a job that'll pay the bills. The second question typically asked when people meet after what's your name is, what do you do? What do you do for a living? You know, what's your work? What what line of work are you in? And so our work becomes an identity. So someone might say, I'm a doctor. Someone might say, I'm a dentist. Or someone might say, I'm a lawyer. Some people would have different answers to that question because we find our identity in what we do, but how tragic is it that we feel frustrated by the thing that consumes the largest portion of our waking hours each week? And so, and so there's emotions tied to the jobs that we have. On one hand, many of us, especially in today's economy, we're fearful We're fearful that the jobs we have aren't going to be substantial enough to help us make ends meet, but then we're also fearful that we may not have a job to go back to because many businesses and companies are downsizing and we see the economy around us, uh, it's not healthy and we've heard stories of people in our spheres of influence, our friends, our family members who's been laid off jobs, who, who are without jobs, who are trying to find work. And on one hand, we're grateful to have work, but we're fearful that it's going to be taken from us. But on the other hand, we have this sense of frustration surrounding the work that we have. And, and honestly, we're fearful of something that frustrates us. 
And logic would say if something frustrates you, you shouldn't do it. But we don't really have that luxury. And so the very thing that frustrates us, we're fearful of losing. And it creates in us an unhealthy approach to our career. An unhealthy approach to this thing called work, our jobs, our very life source. And so today, we're going to talk about getting career fit. We're going to talk about what it looks like to live out a job the way God has designed for us to live out a job. Now, some of you, you're, you're a little eager because maybe you are underemployed or maybe you're looking for that next promotion, that next job that's going to take you to a place where you can experience things in life that you've yet to experience but you've always dreamed of. And, and let me just kind of let some air out of your balloon this morning that I'm not going to say anything today specifically and practically that's going to help you find a better job that pays more money that's going to cause less stress and less frustration. Okay, so some of you are already checked out and I understand that, but, but what I am going to share with you today could lead to that reality, but that's not the, the means that we're going to be searching through today. Hopefully that will be the end that you'll experience, but that's not going to be the approach that we're taking. I'm not here with a job fair. I don't have people lined up looking to hand out applications so that you can turn in resumes and follow up and try to find a better job. I want to talk to you about where you are right now in life with the job that you have right now and the approach that you have to that job and where that approach can take you in life. 9.3 job transitions between the ages of 18 and 36. On average, every two years, we're having different jobs, and job transition is the most stressful time in the life of an adult, outside of major tragic illness or other consequences. And so this stress causes us to, to overflow frustration into other areas of our lives, and so if we don't get our careers under control, if we don't have the right approach, the right mindset when it comes to our jobs, then we're not going to be healthy people to be in relationship with others the way that we should. We're not going to treat others the way that we should. Some of you may feel like Milton from the movie Office Space, and you feel like everyone's just looking to make your life miserable, and the thing that would make you most satisfied in life is simply to, to set your place of business on fire and watch it all just burn down and feel like you don't have to deal with it anymore. And as satisfying as some of us would agree that that might be, that's not the answer. It's not the answer that we're looking for. Here, let me, let me give you a surface level answer as to why you're frustrated with your job. Why your job is a source of stress. Why your job causes you anxiety and worry. And why you fight with people at a job. And why jobs aren't always fun and why you don't always get as much out of work as you put into work and why some of you don't put into work what you should put into work and therefore you don't get out what you want. Here, here's the reason that work is so frustrating, so stressful, so anxiety driven. Let me take you to a scripture in Genesis chapter number three, starting in verse number 17. To Adam, he said, this is God speaking to Adam. Let me catch you up on the story real quick. God created the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. He created man. He created woman. Out of the man, he, 
He made them a married couple. He put them in a garden to tend it and take care of it. He gave them one rule, don't eat from one tree. They ate from that one tree. God wasn't happy. Sin entered the world. And as a result of that, this is a statement that God gives to the first man ever created, Adam. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Listen to this. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. How many of you feel like you've been toiling all the days of your life? Like it's hard labor, like it doesn't come easy, like it's punishment on some level. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food." You know, why, you know why work is so stressful, so frustrating, so unfulfilling, so unsatisfying? It's because sin entered the world and the condition of work was changed forever. Because sin entered the world and the condition of work was changed forever. Let, let me, before we go on and talk about this more, let me say, make a couple of statements here. Just You can call this my soapbox moment and I just want to say a few things and get them off my chest. Um, It'll make me feel good just to, to say I said them and then move on. They're not going to be politically correct, probably, and, and that's okay. Some of you can dis, disagree with me. Uh, the first one isn't really a serious one. Uh, it's just something uh, that I notice as I'm reading Scripture. Sometimes things jump out at me. Men, have you ever noticed that, you, that, that your wives or women, they complain that you don't listen to them much? Have you ever noticed that? That men, we seem to have this selective hearing where we can kind of tune out uh, conversations, uh, even though we're in the conversations, we're not really focused on the conversations. And here's the source of that, women, just so you can understand our heart, just so you can understand our heart. This is what, this is what God said, Adam, because you listened to your wife and you ate the fruit, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. See, see God, sets, God sets this thing straight from the beginning, okay? He puts blame where blame is due. He doesn't say it's the woman's fault, okay? Stay with me. He doesn't say it's the woman's fault. What does he say? He says, because you listened to the woman, that's why all this is messed up. That's why all this is messed up. So, so women just give us a little grace. The very first man ever, he listened to his wife, and look where it's gotten us. Okay, I just wanted to say that. Men, listen to your wives. Hopefully it'll be better. Here, here's two serious things that I want to say. That I, just, I feel like as a pastor that I need to say, that I'm responsible to say a couple of scriptures I want to share with you from the New Testament, and then we'll go back to kind of our, our train of thought. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, verse 10. This is a letter written to the church in Thessalonica by a man named Paul. We talk about Paul a lot. He wrote uh, over half of the New Testament. Uh, great, great man of God that, that helped set the stage uh, for where we are in the Christian faith today. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, men, you need to understand that God is giving a statement to Adam, to the man, to the husband. And he's saying to him specifically, because sin entered the world, because you ate from a tree that you shouldn't have eaten from, your work now is cursed. And he doesn't say you have the option not to work. And he doesn't say you have the option just to say, I don't want to participate in that. But he says... On the flip side of that, actually just the opposite, all the days of your life, you're going to toil. 
All the days of your life you're going to toil. And you know, it, it just amazes me in the culture that we're in that more and more men are not working. Now, some of it, some of it can't be controlled. Some men have been laid off from jobs. I know men that have been laid off from jobs. Some men seek jobs. They're looking for jobs. They're out there putting out applications. Men, if you don't have a job right now and you're able to work, you're physically, you're mentally, you're able to work, then your full-time job is to find a job. Okay, that's, that's your toil. That's your labor. That's your job to support your family is to find a job. But I'm just, I'm seeing more and more of this trend that, that men aren't working for whatever reason. And that never was God's design from the beginning. And so if you want to be career fit, first of all, men, God's speaking to men here, you need to understand that you have a call on your life to work, a call to provide for your family, a call to, to be productive, a call to be in action, a call to do something with your life. It's not a call to take advantage of a system. It's not a call to take advantage of opportunities that weren't intended for you to sit at home and do nothing. It's easy for us to, to have idle hands and to become lazy and to not want to work. Why would we want to work when work is cursed? Why would we want to spend our time, half of our time awake, doing something that frustrates us? I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. But the truth is, is God spoke to Adam and he spoke to the men, the husbands, the providers, the heads of the household. And he says, you're going to work and your work's going to be cursed and it's not always going to be fulfilling. It's not always going to be productive. It's not always going to be satisfying, but you're going to work. That's the result of the sin that's entered this world is we work as men. That's what we do. And you say, well, what about the women? What a, here comes the tension. What about the women? I don't, I don't care if you work. What God spoke to the woman because of sin had to do with children. It had to do with her having pain in childbirth. It had to do with her being a mom. I think the ideal scenario for every family is that the father provides for his family and the mom raises children. That's the ideal for my family. But let me just be honest with you. Most of you know my wife works, okay? So we're in a season right now where my wife is working to help provide for our family and we're on a goal, we're on a mission to make that not the reality. But I could never let my wife work while I sat at home with the kids, not because... She might make more money and I couldn't make as much money as her. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that that would be good. But because of what God told Adam, I believe it applies to me today. And not only do I believe it applies to me, but I believe it applies to the heads of every household, to all the men, that we have a call in our lives to work. So I just want to encourage you with a godly encouragement if you're here if you're a man, work. It's what God's called you to do. Be productive. Get out there and do something. It's difficult. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. If you don't have a job and you can work, then your full-time job is to find work. And when you find work, you work at it with all you can. That's God's, that's God's call on us. And, and, then, and then the second, the second scripture, just to kind, of, to kind of reiterate the second thought that I, I kind of want to share. Here's another statement that the same writer, Paul, he wrote to uh, a church in Ephesus, the pastor's name was Timothy, and in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, uh, Paul says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Like, this isn't like an option of if I want to have a job or not. 
This is like if you're going to call yourself a Christian and you're going to follow Christ, like God has called you to provide for your family. And so if you're not working and you can work and you've just chosen, whether it's taking advantage of a system or just being lazy or just let someone else do for you or whatever that looks like in your life, I just want to encourage you with the love of Jesus. Man, you've got to get out there and work. Now, women, there are seasons in your life where you may have to help support your family. I'm not saying that's sinful. I'm not saying that you can't do that. Um, I don't think it's God's best. Hopefully we can all agree that that's not God's best. Uh, if your kids are in school and they're out, by all means, get out of the house and work if you feel like you just are going crazy sitting at home by yourself. But if you've got kids and you can pour into your kids at such a young age when it's so vital in their lives and you have that opportunity, God's blessed you with that opportunity, I would encourage you to take advantage of it. I know for some of us, it, it might mean that, that we would have to lower our standards of living so that we could pour into our children, but I just, I feel like it's worth it and so that's kind of my soapbox for a moment. Uh, I just wanted to talk to our men and, and just encourage us to man up real quick. So God speaks to Adam and he tells him that Work is cursed. The condition of work is cursed, but it wasn't always that way. Okay, it wasn't always, that wasn't God's design. God's design from the beginning wasn't that work would be cursed. It wasn't that we would be frustrated 80% of the time. It wasn't that we would be dissatisfied with the job. It wasn't that we would have people over us telling us what to do that we can't stand, that we just want to punch in the face. That wasn't God's design. In fact, God set an example for us when it comes to work. In Genesis chapter one, we see that he created, he worked, he created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. On the seventh day, he rested. Listen to what Genesis chapter two, verse two says. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. Notice he was working. God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So God, from the beginning, before he even created man, he worked. That's what he did. He set a precedent for us that we should work. He also set a precedent for us that we should rest. There should be a time in our week that we rest, that we take a break from our work. We'll talk about that a little more later. But then listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. See, work wasn't punishment for sin, okay? If man and woman had never eaten from the tree of the garden, it's not like they would be sitting around in lounge chairs every day just playing games and, and daydreaming. Before sin ever entered, God put man in the garden to work and to take care of it. Work was God's plan for us from the beginning, now, the conditions surrounding work changed when sin entered, and so work became cursed, and that's why we're frustrated. That's why we're dissatisfied. It's because we allow the condition of sin to affect our work, but we were always designed to work. So that's important for us to know when it comes to our careers. It's important for us to know that God designed us from the beginning to work, to be workers, to be active, to be productive, to make something of our lives. So if... If we're going to work, if we're supposed to work, if we're working in the midst of a situation that isn't gratifying, if we're working in the midst of a situation that causes us frustration and stress and, and fights, and we take work home with us and it affects every area of our life, how can we become more healthy in this area of work? 
How can we become more fit? How can we live lives that seem more productive? Well, well, just on a logical level, just on a, just a mindset of work, um, I have conversations with people who they complain about their jobs a lot. Okay? And I understand it, I get it. I've had jobs before that, um, that I didn't love. Um, I've worked at Walmart three different times. Garden Center in the summer of like 1995 was awful. Uh, people would come in like five minutes before I was supposed to get off and they would want like a whole truckload of pine straw and I'd have to go out in this. Okay, you get the point. I hated, I hated that job. There was nothing about that job that made me say, oh, I love going into Walmart and the Garden Center and having people that don't want to pick up a bag of fertilizer and put it in their own truck call me out there and go pick up their fertilizer for them and put them in. And of course, there's no tips, and that's what I got paid to do, but there was nothing about me that loved that job, but I did it because it was summertime, and I didn't need to sit at home and be lazy. And my parents told me to get out and get a job. And so three different occasions I worked for Walmart. I've worked in an unair-conditioned manufacturing plant where we made furniture, distressed furniture, and I was in a spray booth staining different furnitures before the distress process happened. Listen, I've had all kinds of jobs. I worked a whole summer in construction. Thankful it was probably the best job I ever had as far as preparing me for life because I was able to come on to a job as we were starting to build a house, and I finished my job as we finished the house. And I, so I saw how a house was built from beginning to end. I've learned a lot that I've taken with me into my life. Uh, my wife is thankful that I can actually do a few things uh, to keep us from having to pay someone to come every time something happens at our house. And so I got some things out of it, but I haven't always loved my job. And if I'm being honest with you, after I graduated college, I started work in a church. And for eight years, I worked in the same church. And I can just be honest with you and say, it wasn't always fun. I didn't always enjoy everyone that I worked with, and I didn't always enjoy everything that I was asked to do in the job because work's been cursed. And it's how we approach work that causes us to be a fit, not the type of work that we do. And so I hear people complain about their jobs and, and blah, 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 and they don't get paid enough, and so-and-so gets paid more than them, and they should be doing that, and blah, blah, blah. And I always just kind of think to myself, like, when you interviewed for this job, like, did they tell you how much money you were going to get paid? And did they tell you what your responsibilities would be? And did you agree to that? Like you said, sure, I'll, you sign some kind of something, and they just start giving you a paycheck. So they're giving you what you agreed to, and then you're complaining about it. Like, I, just, I don't know, so like on a practical level, I'm just like, I mean, if, if you can do it better, like start your own business. That's the beauty of America. Start your own, be your own boss, and find out what it's like to hate your boss when you're your own boss. That's, that's when life gets really bad. That's when you're like, man, this is awful. I'm my own boss, and I can't stand myself. You know, you know? It's because work's cursed. It's never completely fulfilling. Only 20% of the people like, are satisfied on their job, okay? So this is, this is normal. This is normal. Don't, don't be someone that's always like complaining and making things worse for other people when you signed up for it. Like, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make sense on a practical level. Like If you can make more money, go, go make more money. Like Don't complain that you're not when... I, just, I don't get it, first of all. So, okay, second of all, on a more theological level, the attitude that we take to our work, I believe, is what causes us to be fit career-wise. Okay? 
There's all kind of things that, that are important. Like you can get more education, you can get more training, and it'll open up opportunities for you to get higher paying jobs. All that's great. It's incredible. You're never going to escape the fact that work is cursed. There's always going to be people, be people that you work with that you, you might not stand, even if you're your own boss and you're the only person working in your company. You're going to get out of bed one day and say, I wish I had a different boss. Okay, so you've got opportunities, and listen, there are people who say stay at the business even though you hate it, stay there long enough, you'll get promoted, you'll make it to places. You know, oh, that's great, that's great, that's great. Some of you love the trajectory of your career. You've been in the same business, you've moved up in the ranks, you're making more money, uh, you're there. It's great, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And some people in the process, they sacrifice a lot of things that are more important than work. But the thing that we all need to take to work that's going to cause us to be fit. It's going to cause us to find some type of satisfaction out of what we do with our lives for a living is the attitude. And I want you to listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse number 23. Paul again says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Let me, let me tell you when your job changes. When you go in tomorrow morning and you've got that employer, that boss, that supervisor, that manager that you can't stand, that, that, that treats you like Milton, that you think that they just love their job because they get to make you miserable, and you go in and you have an attitude that says, you're not my boss, man. You're not. I work for the Lord. And when I work for the Lord, I will work differently than when I work for someone I can't stand. When I work for the Lord, I have a different mindset, I have a different attitude, I have a different approach to my work, and I do work differently than if I do work under someone that frustrates me. And so the reality for all of us is, is God from the beginning created work, and ultimately, he's our source. Here's the dangerous part of work. Here's the dangerous part of work. For many of us, Work can become a functional God. What do you mean work can become a functional God? Work, your job, your career can function as a God in your life. Where do you get your provision from? From my job. If I don't work, I don't get paid. So, so I've got to go to my job and I've got to slave away. I've got to serve my job so that I can get provision. Yet scripture tells us that God is our provider. So if we have the wrong attitude, then we look at a job as our provision and not to God as our provider. Do you see the difference? Do you, see? you say, well, my job is my identity. Like, like I'm a carpenter. I'm a dentist. I'm a teacher. That's what I am. And so the job that I do causes people to know me as a, now your identity is found in Christ. You're a child of the king. You've, you've been born again. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Jesus is your God. Your identity is found in him. Your identity is not found in a job. If it is, then your job can become your God. Do you see the danger in this? You say, well, I find my purpose in my job. If it wasn't for my job, I don't think that I would have much purpose in life. Well, that's because your job has become a functional God in your life. 
Because your purpose is found in Christ. And in him, you can do great things. You can do incredible things. You can do all things through him. Your purpose is found in God. So work is something you do. It's not something you are. Work is an opportunity that's afforded to you by God. It's not God itself. If you serve your job, if you find your identity in your job, if you find your job being your provider, then, then you need to take a step backwards and just say, that's why I'm so frustrated. I get it now. I've allowed work to become a God in my life, and it lords over me, and it slaves over me, and it's my master. Instead, I need to resubmit myself to the lordship of Christ and say, I will work for King Jesus, and because I work for him, then I will approach my job completely differently. Some of you, maybe that just frees your heart and frees your mind to say, you know what? It's okay that I work for someone that I can't stand. It's okay that I'm mistreated on my job. It's okay that the thing that I do, I don't feel productive in. I feel like I'm just wasting years away because the truth is, the truth is, is God doesn't do anything on accident. And just maybe you're at a job that you're at because he wants you to be here. But here's the other freeing thing that I find about this verse. Whatever you do, whatever you do, some of us are taught, we've been taught from an early age that that God has a specific job out there for us. And I believe that, that he calls people to do certain things. I do. I believe he called me to be a preacher, and if I were doing anything else in the world right now, I believe I would be absolutely miserable because I would be outside of God's will for my life. But I believe if God hasn't given me complete clarity about a specific job, then whatever you do, whatever, I would rather do something that, I, that fulfills me, that makes me feel productive. Whatever you do, I don't, I don't care what you do. Today's not about telling you what type of job or who to work for or what that looks like. It's about telling you that wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, listen to this, work at it with all your heart. That's the question for us. Some of us aren't career fit because our hearts aren't in our jobs. We feel like we can cut corners and we can just get things done on our own. So here's, here's the bottom line truth. Maybe you can write this down. Maybe you can just memorize it. It's just a simple, simple statement. Our work in this world should reflect God's work in us. Our work in this world should reflect God's work in us. So what God's done in us, we should reflect into our world. And so the question is like, well, what's his work in us? God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world for a mission, for a purpose, and that was to save humanity from sin. And he didn't cut any corners, and he did it in the midst of people who treated him terribly, who falsely accused him, who tortured him, who said bad things about him, who lied about him, who gossiped about him. In the midst of the worst workplace that he could have gone to, coming from heaven to a sinful earth, he didn't cut any corners. Wholeheartedly, he did his job the best that he could possibly do. In fact, he gave everything for the mission he was sent for. He gave his life for you and for me. And that work that he began in us 
we should reflect in our world. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to get a bunch of like tracks of witnessing manuals and you should like put them in all the break rooms and that you should be that person that sends those emails that says if you don't forward this to six people in seven days, you're going to be cursed. Please don't send those to me because I delete them. I'm not telling you that you have to be like super hyper spiritual person at work that annoys everybody and makes people think that God is so irrelevant to their lives. But if God didn't cut any corners on you and if God gave his whole heart for you, then that's the approach that you should take for your job. Even if your job doesn't pay you what you should make. Even if you don't like the people you work with. Even if you're frustrated that you feel like you could be more productive and accomplish more things in a different route. When we start to have this approach that God is our boss and whatever we do, we should do it unto the Lord as though we're working for God and not for men, then we'll start to see a different peace in our lives. And we'll start to hear those conversations, those lies, those betrayals, uh, those jabs that we don't deserve as opportunities to reflect the grace of God and his mercy and his love. And when someone asks us to do something that we don't want to do and we do it wholeheartedly and we do it better than they expected, then they're going to take notice and say, I've never seen anyone do that before. And it won't be long until people will begin to notice that there's something different about you. And the work that you do is different from a lot of people around you. And you'll begin to experience a fulfillment and a peace that no job can offer you. It's not about making more money. It's not about having a, a greater title or a bigger position. It's not about tenure. It's not about seniority. What it's about is understanding that whatever you do, if you don't do it for the Lord and you're doing it for men, you've got it backwards to start with. And I can guarantee you it's going to lead to frustration and worry and stress. But if we can find a way to convince ourselves to embrace a truth that our work in this world is to reflect God's work in us, then we'll be ahead of the game and we'll begin to experience a peace that can transform not only our lives, but the lives of people around us. Your family will be thankful. Your friends will be thankful. The people you work with will be thankful. No longer will there be this fuel of animosity at your workplace, this complete discontentment. It's always cursed to work. Remember that. We'll never get away from that. Even in church world, you'll never get away from that. But God's plan was for us to work, and in our work, we can experience peace and fulfillment and purpose and joy. It's all about who we're working for. And if we'll work for the Lord, and every little thing that we do, do it unto the Lord, it'll make a difference. Lord Jesus, thank you for... Thank you for the opportunities that you've given us. That you're our provider, that you're our sustainer, that you're our Lord, that you are sovereign over everything that happens in our life. And for whatever reason, we're at the jobs that we're at right now. 
I pray, Lord, that we would work in those jobs as unto the Lord, whatever that job may be. We're not working for men. We're working for the Lord. And that doesn't give us permission to ignore the men that we work for. It doesn't give us permission to abuse positions. It doesn't give us permission to rebel against earthly authorities, but it gives us a freedom to serve you in what we do for men. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, you would give us a peace, that you would sustain us, that you would bless us, that it would even leave, it would even lead to people getting promotions and raises and everything that we think would make life better to begin with. I pray that it would be an overflow of a heart that's satisfied and content in you and works unto you rather than working unto men.